Here we have the great multitude, and Jesus did not restrict his remarks simply to those who believed. Jesus was famous, and he extended even into the Gentile regions to people who were drawn by his teaching and healing ministry. Remember, last week and this week, Jesus was speaking to the entire crowd and the Beatitudes, but we see that the Beatitudes are more than just a Sermon on the Mount. It's more of a in-depth about people of God should do everything possible to evaluate or elevate the suffering of the poor. And so, in this way, the kingdom of God is extended. Now, the, the poverty in this chapter, we were talking about last week, where Jesus was on the, mount, on, the, on the mountain, and he's witnessing, he's doing the Sermon on the Mount, it's, it's a radical sermon about Jesus, the Beatitudes, and his multitudes. And he was on the mountain, and he was seated with his disciples. We talked about that last week. There's three parts of this actual uh, elements of a pronouncement of blessings. There's three parts of the blessing. Number one, it's a quality of life and a reason why the recipient should be considered blessed. And the first element in this chapter is found in the word blessed. We talked about that last week where it talks about Psalms chapter 1, verse 1. And it, it introduces each beatitude. Now, the second element does not describe different groups of people, but a, comp, but a, but a composite picture of the kind of person who will inherit Christ's kingdom. And now the last one, the third element, looks ahead to some aspect to the coming kingdom. But look, listen to this, you guys. Lord, we just we ask, Lord, that your Holy Spirit come and teach us this word on growing in his word. In your name, Jesus, amen. God bless you guys, man. Welcome to Growing in His Word. Last week was a cool message, man. It was talking about the blessed, blessed are the poor in spirit. And that we talked about the idea of God's blessing the humble and resisting the proud. And how it talked about it in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 34. And James chapter 4, verse 6. But I want to talk about... What are the poor? What are the, the what are the beatitudes and what do they mean to us? And why is it important that Jesus was on the mount and what were they thinking and why were they the way they were? Well, first of all, we see that the Hebrews, the Pharisees, everybody there in the land of Judea and Israel did not want to be ran by a governor from Rome. They didn't want the Rome, Roman governor there. But as, you know, the Bible states that, you know, the Roman government was there and they were proceeding over the Jewish people so that they could, in return, conquer that land. That is what was going on. Jesus was born. We talked about that in chapter 1, 2, and 3. We see the radical, beautiful Beatitudes now. You know, Jesus is start, Satan tempted Jesus he failed because he tried to make him do a miracle. Jesus wouldn't do that miracle because Jesus doesn't do miracles for the devil. And we went on to talk about verse five, uh, verse chap, uh, chapter, uh, Matthew chapter five, verse six. And it said, blessed are those who hunger. Okay. Actually, let's back it up because 
it talks about how the disciples came to him and they opened his mouth and taught them saying, and this is what he said. Listen, he said, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now we know that they were spiritually bankrupt. We knew about what they were believing and what they, what they wanted to believe, but they, they didn't know. Listen, until Jesus came in. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. And verse 7 says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. And blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. We talked about this last week. What is he saying? It's sad. You see you see uh, very rich people in this world. <laughs> they buy things for billions of dollars. And you might be saying, oh, well, that's not what it's talking about. It's talking about blessed in the spirit. It's spiritual. They're spiritually hungry and thirsty. I get it. And I do get it. But we also see the suffering of the poor. And we see that... You know, many people interpret the word poor as referring to the poverty of the spirit, but that's not what I'm talking about. Jesus talks about, listen to this. Matthew chapter 5, 3 here, he's talking about the word Jesus was offering hope and joy to those who were freely recognized their, their spiritual poverty before God, but also physically poor, okay? Because in a sense, we're all, we're all spiritual poor. And, you know, if we want, we can taste the deep joy of God's rule and blessing of his kingdom. But doing so requires that we, re we, we renounce the ways of the world and humbly submit our ways to God. Isaiah chapter 66 says that. But you see, this kind of poverty and emptying of ourselves, of our own self-centered desires is what God expects from everyone. And we see it. We know who they are. God loves the poor and he loves the, 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 he loves every, he loves, you know, the people who can't take care of themselves. And we see a generation now that's coming up and they're, why they're, you know, they're rich. You know, they want to get rich. Everything is rich, money. And the system of money in itself is a, for me, sinful system, maybe because I'm a pastor. I don't know. Because Timothy says that pastors should not want to have that love of money. Although we desire money as a tool to get by in this world, we see that things are not what they will be one day. Meaning... Jesus offered a spiritual thirst that no mammon, no woman, no man, or no TV set, or no void could fill but his love. He has a radical peace and love and merciful about him that he is so forever merciful and, and wants to bless people who are in need. And so, as he blesses people, people should bless others. And you, 
probably say, well, how does that work? What do you mean? What I made it. It's all my money. I made the money. I started the clothing company or I started the shoe company or I started the water company or I started whatever, whatever you desire to start and whatever monies you get. Well, that's God saying, where's, where's my money? And then you may think, oh, here comes another sermon about giving to me. And no, it's not because it's about giving to others. And so we see that and we see the uh, people who are wicked in this generation. And the Bible says it. It says that uh, in Matthew that when they came to Jesus, a man, they said, Jesus, you know, what will the signs be? And Jesus said, well, they want to know the sign of his return. And Jesus said, no sign shall be given to you except for Jonah. Jonah. But he said, though, before that, he said, an adulterer, an adulterer, uh, a, a adulterous uh, generation seeks a sign, but no sign shall be given except for Jonah in the belly of the whale three days and three nights. When we look at the Beatitudes, we also should look at the attitudes of the believers. And we should say to ourselves, um, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. This is the word of God he's talking about. For they shall be filled, because God's word fills us. Uh, and verse 7 says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Because the ones that get crept away, I believe, by the money and the cares and the power and the fame and the glory. I believe it will be harder to get into the kingdom of heaven because their eyes are not focused on the prize. If they're focused on the prize, well, then you would say to yourself, well, how would that co coincide with this scripture? Well, how would it work with this scripture? Well, it's real simple. You'll know them by the fruit. And so, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Wow. And we think to ourselves, blessed are the poor in spirit. And so, Makarios, in the Greek word, is derived from the root mach, which means large or lengthy. It means fortunate or happy. And so, are we happy? Are we happy with the world that we're living in? Are we happy with the things that we have? Are we happy with what Christ wants us to have? Well, you, you can have all those things. But if you don't have the love of Christ in your life and you're not born of the Holy Spirit, well, you're not going to have that happiness. And so Jesus is here and he's on the mount and he's saying, blessed are, the, blessed are you when they revile perse or, and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you they know Jesus knew that, that that's what would happen. And here we are now.
we're living in the end times and now we see how we're persecuted for having faith in Jesus Christ and we see the persecution that's taking place in the world and how you can have anything you want in this world. You can be whatever you want, have what you have, whatever you want, see whatever you want, do whatever you want, act the way you want. But as soon as you bring up the Lord Jesus Christ, why? Then you're per persecuted. And Jesus said that that's what's going to happen. And you may think to yourself, well, what do I do? Get revenge? Well, you know, uh, the Bible says that we need to let our light uh, so shine because the believer does not have inherent light. Rather, we have reflective light. So as we behold the glory of the Lord, we reflect it. Therefore, we need to make sure that nothing comes between us and the Lord, the Lord's light. And that, that, that's also in 2 Corinthians um, chapter 3, 18 and Philippians 2, 14. And so Jesus is here saying, Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you for my sake. Rejoice, be happy, because this is the reward that you'll have in heaven. And they persecuted them before me. Listen, this world is fading away. We're here temporarily. And we don't need to worry about tomorrow. Today is today. Tomorrow is tomorrow. I used to work at a hospital and I'd see so many people dying and so many people sick. And I think to myself, you know, well, why are you showing me all this stuff, Lord? And the Lord would tell me, well, each person has a unique character and quality about them and um, why some of them are getting their reward now and some of them are getting their other reward, which is hell, fire, and brimstone. And some of them, you know, uh, one lady, I went to the hospital and why I, the daughter called me and said, Pastor, I need you to give my mom her last rites. I said, well, I'm not a priest. <laughs> <laughs> But I can go there and share the gospel with her. And if she received Jesus Christ, why, well, she'll go to heaven and she'll be in paradise. Oh, but she was a bad woman her whole life. I, and I said, I don't care. Either does God. So I go there and she was an avid, uh, you know, why? Well, she was an avid uh, shopper, you know, and really good shopper. And, uh, Always wanted to save money. Always had the ads. Always this and that. And she got cancer. And, uh, you know, the cancer began to take over her. And one day she, you know, they summoned me. And I went there. And she never, you know, I asked her if she wanted to receive uh, Jesus. And, you know, she was a good person her whole life. And, uh, you know, uh, well, she said, on her deathbed, no, I don't want him. Get him away from me and go to hell. And I said, this isn't really good for you. You know, I came in peace and, you know, she uh, rejected the gospel. And so it was very painful to see a woman reject God's gospel on her deathbed and 
watch her condemn herself to hell. Because Jesus doesn't send us to hell. We send ourselves by not choosing the only begotten Son, for whom by his righteousness died on the cross for our sins. Believers, understand that you are the salt of the earth. Verse 13, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? Listen, it is then good for nothing but to be thrown in, thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. We see, one time I was watching the National Geographic television program and I saw this desert mouse or rat or whatever it was. I'm not calling you guys rats or mouses. But the Native American, the Native American, I don't think they like to be called Americans. Let's call them natives. The natives from the land of America <laughs> was trying to capture this little cute little mouse or whatever it was. Uh, uh, and, it, and they, uh, you know, they threw salt on the ground. And the salt began, you know, they found out this little animal liked salt. Well, the Indians were smart. They, they uh, took the salt, threw it on the ground, and the mountain mouse or whatever it was began to eat the salt. And then what happens when we eat salt? Well, we get thirsty. And so the natives were, they began to watch and wait there in their, you know, in their, uh, you know, uniforms. Are they not uniforms, but their dressings. And they waited there and they uh, started following these. They started coming out of the rocks and started following these animals. They begin to follow these thirsty animals. <laughs> And what do you think they went to? Well, they ran under the ground. They followed them and followed them and followed them and followed them. And the little mouse found the underground river system. And the native Indians then went down there and said, ha ha, we got our water. The Bible, in a sense, should be the same way. We are the salt of the earth. If we lose our favor, our savor, our flavor, how do we begin to witness to others and bring them to the mountain where Christ wants us to witness to them? Or on the other hand, how do we then begin to show our love for others when we lost that salt, that 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 flavor for Jesus Christ, that hunger for his righteousness, not ours. How do we begin to understand it's not about us, it's not about the church, it's about Jesus? How do we then begin to understand that this is the way, the truth, and the light? How do we understand, how do we become thirsty? Well, that's easy. You read your Bible. You meditate on the Lord. And so, you don't lose your flavor, and that you're not trampled under the foot by men. Listen, you're the light of the you're the light of the world. A city that's set in a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Believers, we need to let it go. Let your light shine. Light. Let your light. So shine before men 
that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. This is what it's about. It's not about money. It's not about us. It's not about what we do with fame, fortune, and money. It's not about TV, rockets, whatever the heck you got in your brain, you need to get it out and get it on the Lord because Jesus Christ is wants us to hunger and thirst for his righteousness because you want to be blessed. The blessing is this. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall be Listen, they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Are you pure in heart? Are you? Well, I... Yeah, but what do you do for the poor? You're rich. I give to this church. No, you failed. It's not about the church. It's about giving to the children that are suffering in third world countries and in America and in wherever you are. Could be your neighbor. Could be your fellow member at the park, your fellow neighbor at the park. It could be a homeless person at McDonald's who looks like they're not homeless. Surely I say unto you, this is the way we believers need to live. We cannot be happy unless we walk with Jesus Christ. First John explains it. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard and we have seen with our own eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The life was manifested and we have seen and bear witness. The real test of knowing God is the fact that God states to us that if you know him, we'll keep his commandments. And so he uh, who says that I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. And listen to this. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he would walk. See, Jesus was on the mount and he was giving an illustration of what it means to really walk with him. Okay? And it's simple. He who says that he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. And he who loves his brother abides in the light and then there is no cause for stumbling in him. But he who hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. You see? You gotta test all things. But don't test it to the point where the person is out there saying, bro, what's going on? It's not about that. Have faith in Christ that he will weed out the wet wheats and the tares and move on and we move forward. We don't got to sit and test everybody. We're not Jesus. We're going to test all of it. Dude, get over it. You hate your brother. It's the opposite, it's the opposite of teaching Christ. 
But to love one another is the idea that one could hate a brother and yet claim fellowship with God shows the utter darkness. It's blinded the Christian, especially other believers. They, they get blinded and caught up. But we have to know that God is in control. Jesus goes on to say that let our good works glorify the Father in heaven. Let us, let us, not our works, let the Holy Spirit in us work so that we can glorify Christ. We suck. We can't do anything without Jesus. It's about putting our faith in Jesus Christ, not the Pharisees and the scribes and the, and the works of, of, of religion. We don't got to do it. Christ wants us to sit and meditate on the things that he, that he gives us. Jesus fulfills the law because the law is too hard to fulfill. You cannot fulfill all the mitzvahs and, and say that you are holy. There's no way you can do it. Verse 17 says it. Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. And he, and he didn't. Listen, he said that I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill it. And he did it with the blood on the cross. Meaning he took the place of, of religion and said, you don't need religion anymore. You can have a relationship with me. You don't need to work your way to heaven. You don't need to knock on doors, man. All you got to do is trust in me and come to me. Because... For surely I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. So whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does not, does it, whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. We cannot work our way to heaven. It's a free gift. Jesus Christ gave it to us on the cross. He's fulfilled it. Completed it. It doesn't mean to bring to, uh, to an end. It just Jesus fulfilled the law in several ways. Number one, he obeyed. He obeyed it perfectly and taught it so correct meaning, the real meaning. And, and, and will one day fulfill all the Old Testament types and prophecies. And he did that. He provided a way of salvation that meets all the requirements of the law. Romans chapter 3 verse 21 states it. Well, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass away. That's the statement of Jesus saying that basically uh, he provides us with one of the strongest affirmations in the Bible. It's trustworthy. And we need to trust and know that Jesus Christ is going to be there, but we got to be the salt. We got to be the light of the world because nobody else will do it. Remember before you, your old person, your old man, your old woman, your old ways, the old ways that you lived. We've, We've put that to an end, man, by following Jesus. We now allow the Holy Spirit, the helper, to come in and help us. That The third uh, characteristic of God that will aid us in all our problems. You guys, it's, it's that simple. We don't need to go about working our way. We don't need to try. 
It's the Holy Spirit in us that works effectively for God's glory. We just glorify, magnify Jesus and give him all the credit for when he works. He wants to bless you. He wants to work in you. He wants to show you things. He wants to teach you things. Believers, he wants to have a relationship with you today. I get it. We're not perfect. I say things myself I shouldn't say. I re- I've repented in the past. We, we, we are what we are. God gave us the discernment to carry on about as Jesus did on the mountain on the, with the Beatitudes. And we need to carry on like Jesus did and become more like him. I want to be more like Jesus, man. Because that's the only way I'm going to get through this day. Listen, Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, we ask that you help us let our light shine. So that we can bring about your fame, not ours. Father, it's about your fame. It's about your glory. It's about you, Lord. There's no room for any glory in our life. It's about you, Lord. You've taken the things of this world, Lord. And you have the small things you have taken and made huge for your glory. We thank you for that, Father. So today as we depart, Lord, we ask that you bless the people that are online and that whoever wants to give their life to Christ, that they would pray pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Save me. I'm I'm a sinner. I can't do it on my own. Lord, I need you, Father. Today I want to receive you, Father. Christ as my Lord and personal Savior. Lord, I ask that you help me, change me, make me new, fill me up. Take care of everything that that I need, Lord. Lord, I'm bankrupt and I need you. I thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, God bless you guys, man. And listen, next week we're going to get into uh, murder, chapter 21. I mean, verse 21. We're going to talk about murder. We're going to talk about adultery, divorce, the oaths, retaliation, love. And we're going to give God the glory and how we as believers need to be more like Christ. And so God bless you guys. And listen, once again, thank you for logging on and growing in His Word. It's it's an awesome time and a radical day. Thank you for logging on. And remember, Jesus Christ loves you guys, man.